Welcome to the Morgan Stanley Ideas Podcast. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Today on the show, the sneaker industry hasn't been able to manufacture their products as fast as the rest of the fashion industry. Is that about to change? Walk into one of New York City's legendary sneaker stores and you'll see lots of shoes, all sizes, colors, and styles. Yet for the sneaker industry and for sneaker fans, it's not enough. They both want more options, and they want those options faster. But producing sneakers isn't easy. The t-shirt you're currently wearing? It's probably made from just one or two pieces of fabric. Your running shoes? Those have upwards of 75 parts. Today on the show, we're going deep inside today's sneaker industry. We'll delve into the supply chain that puts those kicks of yours together and the market forces putting pressure on sneaker companies to evolve. We'll also take a trip to a cutting-edge American factory that may have a plan to speed everything up by automating, for the first time, a critical part of the manufacturing process. But let's hit the streets of New York and start today's show with the most important people in the world of sneakers, the superfans. We're at Extra Butter in the Lower East Side on Orchard Street. Usually people are looking for something that's different. That's why they come to something like this, like especially like a boutique, is they want to find something that is that they can't find anywhere else. I love sneakers because they make who you are. You know, you if you got a fresh pair and you got a nice uh, regular T-shirt, that just makes you a thousand times better. All you need is some fresh kicks and you're, you're popping. Nowadays, I, I feel like everybody's all looking down on your feet. So it's better to have something like, you know, that will stand out and like it's kind of like true to you. You know, don't try to get stuff that just like everybody's getting because then you're just looking like everybody else. Here's another way that diehard sneaker fans avoid looking like everybody else. They collect more shoes than anybody else. Maybe you know one of these folks, someone who has a whole closet or even a whole room dedicated to their ever-growing sneaker collection and spends all their free time looking for their next pair. There's a word for these people, sneakerheads. Sneakerhead is a term of endearment, first of all, and it really represents people who really care about their footwear. A sneakerhead loves to collect footwear, loves to talk about footwear, read about footwear online and on blogs. You know, footwear is really have become pieces of art. That's Jay Soul, Morgan Stanley's branded apparel and footwear analyst. And while he knows plenty about consumers, his true focus is on suppliers. Jay is an expert on how the world's largest sneaker companies do business. And business is booming. Today, global athletic wear sales are at $290 billion. By 2021, Morgan Stanley expects sales to reach $355 billion. Generally speaking, consumers, not just in the United States, but all over the world, want to dress more comfortably and more casually. And there is no better way to be able to accomplish those goals than with sneakers. And I think that, you know, when we look out forward, the trend toward more casual dress and more comfortable footwear, more comfortable clothing is only going to continue. So looking out the next five to 10 years, you know, our guess is globally, we'll see mid to high single digit growth for sneakers as a category. One reason the sneaker industry is growing is those sneakerheads we heard before at Extra Butter on the Lower East Side. Those folks are always looking for the next big thing. New styles, new colors, new fabrics. And sneaker companies are more than happy to meet that demand. The challenge is figuring out how to make those shoes in the right quantities and at the right speed. 
And the idea is that in fast fashion, you know, they come out with a lot of styles quickly. They don't make that many pair. But what happens is when they see one pair really catch on and become a really hot fashion trend that everybody wants, then they're able to go back to their factory partners and ask them to make more real quick so they can, you know, they, they can supply the market with the actual amount they need based on demand. Jay is describing a key element of fast fashion. Clothing retailers will release several different options of a certain product and then wait to see which one sells best. Once they have the data, they'll double down. So you've seen a lot of that in apparel. Uh, you haven't seen it so much in footwear because footwear is more complicated to make. But I think going forward, you know, some of the innovations in the supply chain and the reinvention of the supply chain is really designed to get the athletic footwear companies you know, more on of a fast fashion model where they can match inventory much more in line with demand. So the sneaker industry is just catching up to what the apparel industry has been doing for a long time, which means they need to figure out how to make their products faster. It's all about, you know, trying to get, provide the consumer more of what the consumer really wants. I and mean, at the end of the day, like the, the companies are trying to respond to the consumer. They provide some sort of fashion leadership on some sense, but at the same time, they want to let the consumer decide what, what the consumer is going to vote for. And I think if they can be, have a more nimble supply chain, they can be faster and offer that faster fashion model. Let's take a moment and just define that phrase, supply chain, because it's the most important part of how the sneaker business is evolving. The supply chain is the entire process of making a shoe. Everything from coming up with a concept to a consumer putting the shoe on her feet. That includes design, manufacturing, shipping, and retail. If we were to break down the supply chain into steps... You know, I, I think there's about 13 basic steps that go into making a shoe. Now, I don't think we're going to talk about all 13 here. I think people might get bored. But, I mean, basically think about it this way. The very first step, and it's been this way for many years, is a designer sits down with a piece of paper and a pencil and draws a design for some footwear. And what happens is then they'll take that design and they will send it to a manufacturing partner, often in Asia, who will come up with a sample. They'll build like a mock-up sample of what that shoe might look like in a 3D you know, version of it. And then they'll send that back to the designer who will look at it and say, you know what, this is this is what I was envisioning. Or they might say, let's make some changes. It'll go through that iterative process to come up with a, a 3D design for a shoe. And then you'll have professionals turn that 3D design into something that can be manufactured. And they'll come up with a, a plan to set up like a, a manufacturing line and all the steps that the people who work in the factory can use to make the shoe. And once they make it, then that shoe will get shipped to from whatever factory it's made often in Asia, you know, to the United States. And from there, that shoe will get distributed, you know, all over the country to different retail stores where ultimately people buy it. It's a long, labor-intensive process. So how are sneaker companies speeding things up? The answer is a word you've heard on the news, in your kitchen, and even in our presidential debates. Automation. The biggest innovation in supply chain is the amount of automation that's being introduced into the process. You know, right now, if you walk into the average factory, you will see hundreds of people who are sewing pieces together or they're cutting out parts to be sewn together or they're doing other steps, um, just like an assembly line. What you will see in the future is machines doing a lot of that work. And that is a massive change because it's going to give companies more speed and more flexibility. The huge gap in automation in the sneaker supply chain? It's sewing. To learn more about that, our producer traveled to a state-of-the-art robotics workshop in Atlanta called Software Automation. That's spelled W-E-A-R. 
We're standing in a space that covers about 7,000 square feet. There are maybe 20 large, uh, what's called a gantry-style frame, uh, large tables with robotic heads. That's Pete Santora, the chief commercial officer of software. The company is creating the complex technology and robots that will be necessary to automate sewing. You might think that sewing would be easy to automate. Maybe you even thought that we'd already solved that completely. But there are a host of challenges that have made automating sewing very difficult. Pete and his company are trying to find solutions. If you just grab a piece of fabric, just put it on a table and try and move it with your hand, you'll just see it wrinkle, right? It's hard to just get good quality, to not get it bunch up, to have clothes the way we like them. You need to have everything perfect. If it was wood or metal, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It would already be automated. Software has also developed a robotic vision system on the top level of each machine, so the robot can recognize what type of fabric is being used and the different shapes that need to be sewn. A group of the professors at Georgia Tech kind of came together and they figured out this idea around using machine vision to look at fabric and then map uh, the fabric and then they use robotics to steer the fabric through the sewing needle. A sewing task at a large manufacturing warehouse may be repetitive, but there's a reason why millions of people, not robots, are employed around the world to fulfill this task. Humans aren't just more nimble with fabric, we're also more nimble when it comes to changing tasks, which is key to the world of automated fashion. Levi's had a fully automated jean work line at the end of the 80s, And the problem was that as soon as you change the style, then you had to retool the line. And then the cost to retool the line killed the automation project. And what we've done that's been significant for bringing automation to this space is put a lot of the technology and know-how and expertise and intellectual property into software. Software automation is feeding their sophisticated code into a series of robots called Sobots, Sobots are modeled after what a typical seamstress or a tailor does in a manufacturing process, with their hands, arms, and even vision. The first Sobot is for precision sewing. The first one is close to the needle. So this is like the hands of the seamstress, the fingers of the seamstress. So all of the material that's right by the needle needs to be manipulated as it's going through the needle. And as it distorts, we need to keep correcting for it. So this Sobot... Um, it's called the automated sewing machine. There are also other types of sewbots. One can help de-wrinkle fabrics on a flat surface. Others are customized for different types of products. And then we put it all together in a system. So instead of thinking about it as an individual kind of component, an individual automation, we look at it as a whole work line for a sewn good. Sewbots are now being tested on simple products like bath mats and beach towels, But down the line, there's a big opportunity with sneakers. In terms of footwear, we see the Sobots, they're really great at a lot of the elements that footwear needs. So when you break down the shoe, you've got the outer, you've got the midsole, and then you have the upper. And the upper is 70% of the construction of a pair of shoes. Automating the process of sewing those uppers would be a game changer for sneaker manufacturing. Pete knows that automation is a great source of tension in the news and usually signals significant job loss. But since almost all of America's apparel and footwear is now sewn overseas, 
He predicts these SOBOTs will actually bring back thousands of American jobs. We have these SOBOTs on the floor of manufacturing facilities today. And when people ask us, well, who do we get to operate? We say, well, we like seamstresses. Get us a seamstress who is iPhone savvy. We put them through a training process. That for us is a vision for what we have for these manufacturing facilities is smaller impact, smaller space, can be in local towns. They uh, service their communities and they have sewing operators or SOBOT operators um, that have higher incomes, uh, more technically advanced jobs and better pride in what they do. Walking around software automation's massive space, it's easy to imagine this step in the supply chain getting much faster. But before the SOBOTs can get started, they need a design. So how can sneaker companies make that part of the process more efficient? Is there some way to hack the supply chain by designing sneakers that are simpler to produce in the first place? Pete is already seeing that. And if you've been to a sneaker store in the past five years, you probably have too. You know, sewing's been such a problem for so long. The more you can get away from sewing, the more you could create a local supply chain potentially. So they're looking at 3D printing. They're looking at knitting. You start looking at companies doing knitted shirts and you start seeing knitted shoes. Um, And it's a singular construction, uh, more like a sock, right? And so the shoes take on more of a sock look. That enables uh, smaller pieces, enables you to move a supply chain to a centralized location um, with less pieces to it and overall reduces the cost of that total shoe. Morgan Stanley's Jay Sol, on the other hand, doesn't think supply chain is going to dictate sneaker design. At the end of the day, it's about product that's relevant to consumers, that's cool, and it's fun, and gets people excited, and you know, it makes them want to buy. You know, the dog is the consumer, the tail is the supply chain. And I think that has, that's the way the relationship has to be, and that the supply chain serves the needs of the, ultimately serves the needs of the consumer. Whether companies are changing a sneaker supply chain or even a sneaker itself, one fact remains. It's all about that hungry consumer looking to buy the newest and best sneakers on the market. I like that everyone can wear sneakers. You can have different sneakers for every day of the week, every day of the year. You know, I mean, I know some people with over 5,000 pairs of sneakers, you know what I mean? Or some of our bosses have 3,000, 4,000 pairs and just in storage. And you can, there's so many different styles and even just design, colors, material. Those sneakerheads we met at the start of the episode, they really are changing the sneaker industry, all the way from a specialty boutique on the Lower East Side to factories thousands of miles away. Well, from the time a designer has the first concept in their mind for what a new shoe is going to look like until the time the consumer walks into that store and buys it, you know, it can be 12 to 18 months. And I think that in the future, they're hoping for 12 to 18 weeks. And that would be a huge change. Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the research discussed in this podcast and listen to previous episodes, you can check out morganstanley.com ideas or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Till next time.